Okay. We're live. Hi, Nick. Hi. Okay, everybody. This is my friend Nick. Um, Nick Barron. He's been a he's an awesome friend. Everybody needs a friend like Nick. <laughs> I'm gonna let him introduce himself just a little bit so that we can go ahead and get started. All right, Nick. Well, yeah, so uh my name's Nick. I am a military brat. I moved quite a few times, about thirteen right now. I live in Front Royal, Virginia. I don't know if that's too much information, but, you know, I live really close to a national park, and it is beautiful. I go up there like three times a week for the sunset. God is good. I'm just saying, Psalms 19, I think, it's like the, the skies declare his beauty. Maybe it's 18. Maybe. Uh, I don't know it right off. But it really does. I mean, we can check. We can. <laughs> we can check. That's fine. <laughs> just look it up really quick. Anywho, so everybody knows that. We on this podcast have been just looking for people that are called, that have really just taken on the commission, that people have really counted the cost for being obedient. And Nick is one of those people to me. So I asked him to be on here. Uh, he might not think himself of it, but the reality of it is he gave up a lot to really follow Jesus and watching him grow. And that is just so exciting. Um, we have really good conversations, so I was just like, "Hey, the world needs to hear this." So, yeah, I think he found, <laughs> I think he found the verse though. So, I sure did. Go ahead and read that for us, sir. Read the word. Yeah, Psalms nineteen one: The heavens declare the glory of God; the skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech; night after night, they reveal knowledge. Y'all see what I mean? This man. Amen. He just be living by the word. So that's why it. I go see sunsets all the time, because the word. I want to see the work of God's hand. Okay. Mm. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anywho, Nick, tell us a little bit about your story. I know, I mean, just to give some detail on my end, I noticed you kind of left school. So you were going full out med school, like yeah. pre-med, and then you wanted to go to med school, and the Lord told you, you know, hey, let's put it on halt for a second. And you bagged up your bags and you went back home to Virginia. Yeah. So how's that process been for you? And kind of tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, I was a, a junior on the pre-med track, so not too far along my, like, 14-year journey. Um, but, you know, I just really felt pressed uh, a couple weeks in my junior year. I was in anatomy, loving the class. Um, but I just really felt like the Lord was wanting me to step away and to really seek Him and to really just know him more. Because what I had been doing for the first couple years of my pre-med courses, I was just like saying, all right, Lord, I'm doing these hard classes. I'm going to focus on them. I'm doing this all for you. Um, so I don't really have time to spend time with you right now. That's what I was saying for the first couple years of my courses. And I realized, I think it just started weighing down on me. It became more of a burden to stay in it. And so uh, it just kind of built up. And one day I was like, I think I'm dropping out to to go home and to really spend time with the God of the universe. And so I I went back home, um, tried to do a couple different things, like intern at my church, but a couple doors were shut, um, which is okay. Uh, but so I landed at Target um, the first month. You know, a really bougie place, though. Target may not have heard of it. <laughs> I forgot that joke. I can't believe I. that's how I always start this. It's but. okay. <laughs> It's okay. It's not as bougie anymore for the Christian community. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, <laughs> God help them. Um, but yeah, so 
I, uh, I landed there and for the first month I was just really, really depressed. Um, cause for when I was in pre-med, God really blessed me and I saw the favor. He just gifted me with a, an ability to do well in those courses and whatnot. Um, and so going from that to working at the little target cafe, which was a pizza hut that had about 10 customers a day or less. And I threw away about 60 pizzas a day. You know, dude, sixty pizzas yeah. a day. Yeah, and there, since it's like the uh, hot and ready, you make a new pizza every thirty minutes, and so we're not allowed to throw like give them to homeless people or anything like that. Why? I mean, I just well, they I mean, go that's like not relevant to this conversation. Bad after thirty minutes, but you would think they would be like. I mean, who hasn't had a pizza after like five hours sitting out? You know, leftover pizza I mean, at a lock-in. Something I would want to spend my money on, like you know what I mean. But oh, yeah. at the same time. If they know they're not getting that many customers at a time, why don't you just make the pizza per? Mm-hmm. You know what? That's not even relevant to this <laughs> conversation right now. But let's kind of rewind just a little bit. Um, you said you were dealing with depression. Yeah. So after I was trained, it was like a two-week training process. You work alone for about eight hours. The only people I would see were the cashiers, but they're, you know. 20 yards away and then I shared the uh, kitchen with the Starbucks there but so I would see them maybe washing dishes uh, so I was alone for eight hours a day and after I cut my first pizza and realized what I had done I just started weeping and I had to like go back into the kitchen I sat there for like 20 minutes I was like God you gotta help me change my heart please help me in this situation and you know Jesus says we can do nothing without him and I really understood it in that moment. After about a month, I finally did change my heart towards it. And he really helped me to do that. And I realized how much of a witness I could be at this desolate place. Yeah, no, I think, and this kind of brings up a good subject because I think a lot of people that end up following the call of God, which is interesting to me, like if people who truly um, like initially turn off of their own path, they end up falling in a place of depression mm-hmm. I, and that's not always the case but it just seems like they just start dealing with this inward battle mm-hmm. almost like every pastor or preacher or teacher i have talked to including myself went through like a place of being broken and i mean it goes back to the scripture where the scripture talks about you know um that he uses broken people i mean i'm paraphrasing that a lot but he uses broken people, but I think it's interesting that that is kind of like where we're at as a people group. But it's also interesting to see how God brings us out of it. Amen. And so I just, I don't know, it really brings up the love of God, you know, that he allows us to be broken, but also mends us all at the same time. Like it's a process that we have to go through. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize because when you're not on the path that God's initially calling you to, mm-hmm. and I'm saying like from going somewhere you think you should go until you go to the place of being fully obedient. Oh yeah. Like God begins to strip stuff off of you and it's like friends mm-hmm. you're separated from, people you're separated from, church is different, uh, your time with God is different. Oh, yeah. It's just you go through this process, right? And so I don't know. I just think that's such a a real thing to talk about, mm-hmm. uh, being really, really, really broken before God. So. Oh, yeah. No, and I feel like it can stimulate. For me, it really did. Is I had I had the worldly view of what success looked like. I think. 
Yeah. Because what happened was I was I was like, God, I'm going to use all of this money I'm going to make. I wanted to do pediatric surgery. And I was like, all this money I'm going to make, like 70000 a month in like a larger city. You know, I want to give this to God after a couple of years of building up a portfolio, you know. But that's what I was labeling success. But yet, in reality, what true success is as a Christian is how much God loves us. And if we understand how much God really loves us, it does not matter if God called me to drop out of school, the top of my class, to go back to Target and to just plant seeds in the lost souls that were working next to me. Yeah. And I think that comes with relationship too. Yeah. Like, let's, I mean, it teaches us how to both love God and understand God's love for us. Um, but I know going through my personal own depression and anxiety, I genuinely did not know how to move forward in Christ. Mm-hmm. And I was stri- I tell people all the time, and I'll probably repeat this over this podcast probably 70 million times, however long to be listening to it. It's a lot of times, yeah. Yeah, like a lot. <laughs> but God stripped me to the bone and then scraped out in the mirror, and I was empty. I was so empty to the point where the world was moving around me and I felt so out of place. But then God filled me up with his word. And so the joy of the Lord became my strength. Mm -hmm. I began to cast my anxieties on him because he cared for me so much. And I understood that. So I began to give it to him. But at the same time, like I began to understand if I love God, I can love people. Mm -hmm. And so despite how people treat me, despite how people around me were working or their lives around me, I could still love them despite of. And that was like huge for me because that was something I struggled with because even like family past, I was I had so much hurt and built up for me, for my family, from previous friends, Mm -hmm. from even my current friends at the time. I was building a wall. And God was like, I cannot allow you to move forward unless this wall is demolished. And so he started chipping at that wall for real. And I started walking like this path. I never thought I would walk through and it felt lonely. I felt unheard. (laughs) I felt disvalued. And it was really just God chipping away. But the issue was through the whole process, I didn't trust him enough to trust the process. Mm -hmm. I was looking at the process like, God, where are you at? But he was the one chipping. And so um, that's definitely a strong statement, you know, um, it's real. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're looking at it, Deuteronomy, Moses talks so much. He, he Like the Lord tells Moses to write this down. It's like, if you follow my commands and you worship me alone, you cast aside all foreign gods, any idols, there's such a blessing that comes. I don't know exactly what it says, but it talks about all these things that God will give you. But, you know, we forget about that one part where it's like when we're out of it, Oh, this this horrible curse comes, but that curse is so that we can realize what we're missing out on. You know that joy that the Lord has, the prosperity that God has, the protection He provides, all of these different things. The love that we feel, He loves us when we're you know far away. But it's like I think we can better show our love to Him when we're obeying Him. Yeah, and that goes into Matthew. I think it's Matthew chapter six thirty three. Where it talks about that and Jesus provides everything that we need. So why worry about everything going on? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's me paraphrasing that. Par- oh, <laughs> yeah. We're frying some anyways. <laughs> no, um, that's me paraphrasing that. But it's basically, that's what he's saying. He's like, why worry about tomorrow? Why worry about 
you know, all of these things. Is that what the verse is? I know you're looking it up. Oh, I looked up. Oh, I was going to look up I believe but I literally have no... I got you. I was going to look it up just to make sure I was correct. <laughs> so, um... You just get flagged for heresy on your first No, I know. They're like, <laughs> you really don't know the Bible? Look, there's a lot going on in the Bible. I can't remember everything at one time. There's at least more than four verses in the Bible, so, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um... No, it, yeah, that's what it's talking about. It's uh, chapter 6, verses 33. It says, but seek first... The kingdom of God of all of his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. But even before that, um, it says, look at the birds in the air and they do not sow or reap or gather, you know, yet our heavenly father feeds them. Are you not worth more than they? That's Matthew 6 and uh, 26. Yeah. So I know it's somewhere around there, but yeah, no, I, and that's a hard concept than grasp. When people have treated you so wrong yeah. or you don't understand the love of God completely, you just kind of fall apart because you're like, I don't understand this. And then we can talk about deliverance and that you feel like you need to be delivered from uh, depression. But the reality of it is, is you don't understand the love of God. So that's why you need help more. So now don't get me wrong. Some people literally need to be delivered from depression. Yeah. Other times it's just this state of loneliness. You feel like you're in a state of depression and can't get out. But once you understand the love of God, he really brings you out of that, which is deliverance all in all. So, I mean. Oh, yeah. I feel like God really brought me home to definitely free me from my my poor mindset of not focusing on him and to make me realize how much I did need to depend on him for anything in this life and to know him so intimately. And I was struggling with like direction. And so, like, I basically made an idol out of God, show me your direction. So I was seeking more so God's direction than God. Yeah. Like, that's literally what I got to for about five months. I was like, God, I just want to know what you're wanting me to do. Just speak to me somehow. So I went to godly counsel. And there were so many different voices from godly counsel that were telling me so many different things. And yet I was like, God, I need to hear from you. But how do you hear from someone if you don't know them so then you know it's like you have to that's just you know common sense but really it's like how do we hear from God and I think it John Bevere's book the awe of God really puts this forward I'm seeing the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom but it's also the beginning of intimacy yeah like oh my goodness I think Psalms 25 talks about the Lord confides in those who fear him yeah like look at Abraham he feared the Lord. His actions were counted as righteousness. His faith was. You know, that's in James, I think. I'm pretty sure. It may not be, but, you know. No, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, what did God do? God came to Abraham, and he says, he looks at the, I, th- I feel like it was the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit who came to Abraham when he was about to go destroy Lot, but maybe it was God and mm-hmm. two angels. It's been a while since I read it, but. He says, should I not tell my friend the judgment I'm about to do on these people? And then Abraham was able to say, but Lord, what if there's 50 people, 50 righteous people? But what happened there was Abraham feared God. So God confided in him. And that's what that Psalm 25 says. Yeah. You know, look at Moses. Moses feared the Lord so strongly that he was able to see God's glory. Yeah. And I think I was going to mention Moses too, because um, I was thinking about even in Exodus where it was talking about uh, Moses basically came off the mountain and the people had created a 
idol that created this calf and Aaron, Aaron's mm-hmm. the one who made it for him. And homie was just like, <laughs> homie was just like, listen, I don't know how they got it. He's like, yeah, it's a good idea that we should make a golden calf. Wait, you know, what'd you guys do? It's basically because the people are evil that I made it. That's, you know. <laughs> and I just so, wanted to please the people. Yeah, but I, I can't imagine being in the position of Moses in that moment because they didn't trust God enough. It was Moses, Moses's faith in the Father that mm-hmm. gotten him through, and that's why a lot of them missed the, the promised land. Uh, and really, because they just went crazy, everything. That's another story for another day. But it was because Moses went back up on the mountain. He's like, "Please do not forget your people. Yeah, please do not forget them." You know, wasn't that when God even offered to make Moses' seed into the great nations? <laughs> yeah, imagine that. Moses was such, he had such a heart of intercession that he's like, God, for your name's sake, do not wipe this fi- uh, this nation off the face of the planet. Because I mean, that's Exodus 33 and yeah. 34 throughout that area. Mm-hmm. Because Moses literally sought out the Lord. He was like, please do not take your glory from me. He was like, let me stay in a place of your glory. And of course, we're just paraphrasing and everything. Nobody mark us on that because, <laughs> you know, but like that was not a Bible. That is the gist of the Bible. Anywho. Um, so he was like, don't take this glory. Let me stay in a, a state of your glory to the point where he got out of it. And he came down to proclaim this word and God had given him. He was radiant from it. I just yeah. preached on that a couple mm. weeks ago. He was radiant from that because of the place of the presence that he was in. But because we as Christians fail to see the importance of staying in a constant state of presence, we end up falling into these places of depression and anxiety and all of these different things because we don't understand God enough, but it's because we're not spending time with God enough to understand these things. Well, I mean, also, one of the biggest things is how are we able to know God? The Bible says that God cannot even be inhabited by the heavens, yeah. all of eternity. He is from everlasting to everlasting. Yeah. Um. I, a lot of what I'm hearing, I've been listening to this one podcast uh, by Corey Russell. Um, gripped and he talks about how with some of his students um, he'll say think about what happens before Genesis 1 what is before there go back a thousand years before Genesis 1 there's nothing but God go back another thousand years a million years go back until the point where you can't think of a number and then realize there was still God before there yeah. and then think about eternally in the future there's still God yeah. he had no maker but yet he made all things. Yeah. You know, I was going somewhere with that. No, I kind of want to jump into that because we were having a conversation earlier about eternal, like what it means to be eternal and kind of like the Lord used to go, I mean, this is personal, but the Lord used to convict me like a lot um, and use the word eternal. Like he was literally, it would be like an emphasis, like eternal. And I could not wrap my brain around this concept of eternity because I can't, I cannot fathom that. The Bible literally tells us that, you know, that we're not going to be able to fathom God. Mm-hmm. Like he's so big and we're not just, we just can't wrap our, our mind around him. So he's an eternal God. He's the God who stands the one and only God. Yeah. So it's hard for us to be like, you know, I can't wrap my brain around it. And I've been following Jesus. You know, I love Jesus. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've been sold out. That's the cost I have yeah. paid is I, I've sold out my life for Jesus. I still can't wrap my brain around the fact of how much he loves me and it's eternal. Yeah. 
Nothing on earth will last as long as God or eternal because everything here on earth will die or fade away, period. Oh, yeah. Even heaven will fade away. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, because this God is so vast, how in we are human minds are we able to even know this God? It's only through him that we're able to know him. Yeah. You know, it's like, we we do take that first step. Draw near to me and I, God, will draw near to you. Yeah. But yet, how can we draw near to God? All we do is we pour ourselves out and be filled with God so that then we can know God. The Bible says, who can know a man's inner thoughts except his own spirit? Yeah. Who can know God's thoughts except his own spirit? And that is why God has given us his spirit so that we may know him. Dude, and that's what that's what David was trying to say when he says, I knew you. He said, you knew me when I was in my mother's womb. Yeah. Right. And I love what he says before that. Everybody talks about that one scripture, but go before that, dude. That's like basic Bible principle. Go before it. And it talks about that you know my inward thoughts. Yep. You knew me in darkness. That blows my mind. Can you, like, yep. let's be real. That blows my mind. And the fact we can, like, sit here on this podcast right now and talk about one thing of God and it could go on for hours blows my mind. And we'll never scratch the surface. Never. That's why, you know, a lot of theologians talk about the scriptures being like a, a diamond. Every place that you cut it, it looks different. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so complex because it's really, if Jesus is the word of God, just imagine that, like apply that to Jesus. He's so complex. God is so complex. Yahweh's so complex that every everything that we get to see him as, everything he reveals to you as, there's still more. Every time you cut it, it's going to be different. But yet he blesses us because he's made it simple. Yes. So good. The simplicity of the gospel will confound the wise. The wise of this earth, God has no foolish parts. Don't get this wrong. But (laughs) the foolishness of God is infinitely better than the wisest person on earth. Right. You know. So it's like, really, how can we get to know this God? It's fully through him. You know. And there comes a point. We're all servants of the Lord. We are. But I think they're all of us, but those who have. (laughs) Yeah. I know what you mean. I got you. I just want to clarify that for them. I don't make you joke. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like everybody's servants of Lord. Well, hang on a second. Are you saying that Buddhist kind of? Let's make sure everybody's saved first. Oh, yeah. You. So when we're saved, we are a servant of the Lord. And John 15, 14, it says, You are my friends if you do what I command. And then 15, verse 15 says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father. I have made known to you. And what did he know from his father? He knew his will. He knew his love. He knew everything about God. And now we have access to know this. Yeah. Like, I, we'll never scratch the surface on earth and we'll never scratch the surface in eternity. Yeah. We're going to take all of eternity just to know this God more. <laughs> it's like it's crazy. crazy. Yeah. But it's like. So with it saying, I no longer call you servants, that means we were once servants. Yeah, we're slaves, we're oppressed. Through salvation comes deliverance yeah. and healing. A lot of people don't talk about that. Like you're, when you truly accept salvation, so people think salvation is just a one-time thing, like I am saved. Mm-hmm. Salvation is this commitment to Christ yeah. that you're like, I'm ready to give it all up. 
And so when you say that part, like you're asking soteria, the word soteria literally means salvation. It means deliverance. It means healing. Amen. So to accept Christ, you're taking these things from that. I mean, that's. Yeah. I mean, one day I will get married, Lord willing. And my wife, the moment that they say I do and you may kiss the bride, she is 100% my wife. Yeah. All for the rest of her life. She is my wife. But every single day she can strive to be the best wife. Yeah. I'll say me. I will be 100% a husband to my wife. Right. I can be a bad husband or I can be a good, like, I will, I can always strive to be the better husband, that husband that I'm looking for. And Jesus is coming back for a bride who looks fully like him. That bride who is in a white gown without spot and without blemish. And how do we get to that point? It's through fear, fearing him, holding things the things of God in such a reverence. Every commandment he speaks, every utterance that he gives, listening and being in tune to his voice. You know, my sheep will know my voice. How do we know his voice? We have to be his sheep first. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We have to learn how to follow. And I think that roots back to even the whole purpose of this this podcast is those who have accepted the commissioning, the great commission to go and proclaim the gospel to the nations to the people, to his people, we have taken that on. Like, you know what I mean? And so we had to learn, we have to learn to continuously follow for us to even lead, oh, yeah. for us to even go out and proclaim the gospel. I'm a follower. Like people is always like, you're a leader. No, I'm a follower. I want to follow Christ to the end of my life. Amen. And as he leads, I will go. Like, you know, and so that's the, that's the cost we we pay like if i'm a follower that means like i have to kind of learn how to follow right so i have to learn how to go through the valleys go up the mountain whereas the person who's leading me is doing it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. they're like oh yeah i'm over here about to fall feel like i'm breaking out like yeah but i have to learn how to go forward in that and sometimes jesus has to yank me by the neck and bring me back in oh yeah because it's like whoa Calm down. Calm down. I mean, <laughs> Jesus tells us, I have lived in this same way you should live too. Yeah. And what did Jesus do? He came as the servant of all. Yeah. And he came as the perfect atoning sacrifice. You know, before the foundations of the world, yeah. Jesus was the lamb that was slain. So that also tells us that G- God was planning out everything before the foundations of the world. So that's how much he knows us. Dude, that's it, man. Oh, my goodness. That's not even where I was going. But I, I mean, but that was the whole so right good. there. That was Amen. so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, and I think what's truly something what we have to remember as followers, and we can kind of get back to your story and everything. I'm sorry we got no, it's totally off track. But <laughs> um, I just love how the Lord does that sometimes. Um, that brings it. I mean, that goes this our whole lives. You know, sometimes the Lord will take us off of a a track we think we should be on. Come on, that's the word. Glory. Sometimes we can we can go off, but really it's straight and narrow. But we want to take shortcuts. We want to take the detours. We want to do it. But God's like, keep walking. You know. I know. I mean, this just came. The Holy Spirit just giving me this. Sometimes, like we place our own detours, thinking that we can't cross the road that we're supposed to get to. Mm. But God's like, if you would just trust me, you would see the stairs. Oh, yeah. If where the holes at, like where the pothole is. And we think we can't go through it. But if we would just trust God, we'd realize on the other side of that. Oh, yeah. On the other side of that, he's got our help. That's what the paraclete is. That's what the Holy Spirit is, our help. 
And so we're not doing this alone. Like we are not on this journey alone. Holy Spirit's here to help us. That's what John 14 is 14 and really 14, 15, 16 kind of sums it up a little bit. But um, talking about the paraclete, the Holy Spirit coming to help us, coming to be our aid. And so we can go through these places where everybody else is taking a detour. Yep. We're supposed to be the one going straight. Mm. And that is something that's not preached. Mm. But the reality of it is, is that he's given us the help. When we see that there's a cliff, we really just got to trust God and be like, okay, God, I got this. Yep. That's the point we fall. But the point that we're like, okay, God, I need your help. We'll look and there's a bridge. Yep. And how did you do that? You were waiting at his feet. Yeah. Like Mary of Bethany. Yeah. Was sitting there. You know, it's like we're supposed to wait on his, like in the Old Testament, we have Saul. He was going out for battle. Samuel was taking his time getting there. I don't know exactly what it was. Yeah. You know, it's probably the Lord's plan. But, you know, Saul, he does the sacrifice himself besides waiting on Samuel. Mm -hmm. So then that's not the only reason. But so he was impatient there and didn't do what the Lord wanted him to do. Whereas David, when uh, I can't remember exactly which uh, nation he was fighting, but he inquires of the Lord, do I go out and attack them today? And the Lord answers immediately. Or it just says, and the Lord answered, yes. And then David said, how do I do it? And uh, he asked him how he did it. Do I go straight at them? And the Lord said, yes. So he won that victory that day because he waited on the Lord. The next day, David then asked again, do I go out and fight them today? And the Lord said, yes. Do I go out in front? And the Lord says, no. Go out behind and wait in the trees. And then when you hear marching above your head in the leaves, go out because you know that the Lord has already won the battle for you. Yeah. Along those lines, you know. That makes me that makes me think. That just ponders a thought. Like I, I started pondering when you said that is what would happen if we as a body would just start to wait on God to give us his instruction instead of just moving, you know? Yeah. Like sometimes we just move so fast because we're like, we don't have time, but he's an on time God. I mean, I think the old Southern gospel song, but <laughs> the reality is, Thank you, she, no, I'm not <laughs> get copyrighted. <laughs> um, no, but he is on time. And if we would just take the time to be patient, mm-hmm. we don't talk about that enough. Like if we would just be patient enough to be like, God, okay, let's wait and you show us what to do. The scriptures say thy word is a lamp to our feet and a light into our path. If we would just study the word enough, we would find direction in the word sometimes. Because mm-hmm. his word is the word. Jesus is the word. Like, you know, became, and so, yeah, it became, um, Lord, I'm stuttering flesh. <laughs> and so whenever we just take time to read the word and really seek him out in that way, He'll light up our path. Mm-hmm. We don't have to worry about it. We don't have to worry about it. But yet our human nature is to try to figure out every single thing. Oh, yeah. We need to stop that as the body. We really do. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. I mean, I, hey, I'm preaching to myself. Like, you know, but the reality of it is we do need to stop that. We need to stop preaching that. Like, you know, just step out on faith. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if the Lord's telling you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But listen, be patient in the Lord. Trust him, acknowledge him. That is the step of faith. It's not you acting out of your emotion saying, I don't have enough time. So therefore, here I am. Sometimes we have to wait. 
And so, yes, the step of faith is being patient in the Lord. That is the step of faith because you have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, how do you just sit there when your time's running up? Yeah. Or when that mortgage bill's coming up and you don't have a job? Yeah. And you're just sitting there. How is it that we sit there looking at Jesus in those moments when all of the world is just caving in? Right. It's only through him. I mean, and it's his strength. Let's look back at that. Like going back to the mortgage thing to kind of give example of what I just said is um, if you, <laughs> let's just say the bank's about to foreclose for, for for your house and you are like, well, you know what? God, I just, you know, I just, I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to sell my house. You know, <laughs> I'm just be like, I'm going to just sell the house, get the money and I can move somewhere else. Whereas if you would have waited on God and he would have been like, wait, then somebody could have came knocking on the door. Hey, I want to pay your mortgage. Don't say that's not impossible. It's possible. Like, you know, so what if we would just, I, I, that is so key. We just need to wait on the Lord. Amen. I mean, I heard a pastor saying one time it was right at the beginning of his ministry time and he was an evangelist and he went to this small church to speak and he had a wife. He had no kids, but he it was his only speaking gig this entire month and his mortgage was X amount. And the Lord said, go speak there, even though, you know, they can't give you an offering because they were struggling with church. And so he goes and he speaks. And then at the end, the pastor says, guys, I just I know we can't even afford to do this, but we're just going to do a love offering for this preacher. And so they take up the love offering. There was maybe 20 people there. And it was enough for, it was like one or two of his month's rents. And so he he gets the check and he's, he's blown away. He's thanking God. And then he looks up and there's that like real small hint or wisp. There was a missionary that spoke right before him to do his advertisement, whatever it's called. And he felt the Lord saying, now give him this check. And just see what happens. And <laughs> he makes a joke. He's like, "No, you know what I said? Get thee behind me, Satan!" <laughs> yeah. But he he gives the the missionary the check, and it was like that night or the next day. Uh, there was a man who came and said, "I'm uh, I feel the Lord wanting me to give you this check." And it was like for a year's worth of his his mortgage. Dude, if we would just be obedient and wait. I'm telling you, everything would shift. And trusting, yeah. We would shift. And I'm not saying, I I feel like I need to clarify this. Just, uh, I'm not saying it's bad to take the step of faith. My thing is, is that when we do it and not be wise, because mm. sometimes it does take the step of faith to, you know, do what the Lord's telling us to do. But at the same time, that's what he's told you to do. Amen. Like we should not act out of just feeling like this is, Never. There should be, yeah, it, it should be like the Lord told me to do this and this is what I'm going to do, mm -hmm. you know, and I felt like I needed to clarify that. I just felt like I don't want people to get confused by that. Yeah, I mean, where do we get the wisdom to be able to do that, though? Yeah. Fear of the Lord is yeah. the beginning of all yeah. wisdom. And this wisdom is not an earthly wisdom saying, I got to go get a better job. I'm a smart guy. I can go get a better paying job. I'm a smart gal. I can go uh, and be vice VP of this company. But this wisdom is the one of, Lord, what do you want me to do? The discernment to be able to understand what he's wanting us to do so we won't be swayed from the left or the right and just following on his path and his will. Yeah. That's so good. And I'm very thankful that you came on the podcast. I wish we had way, 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 way 
more time because we could break into this like so much more. Oh, yeah. Um, maybe we can do a part two. I don't know. know. Never know. I don't know, Nick. We might have to do a part two because we haven't even gotten to your full story yet. It's true. I'm still waiting for that story to end. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Patiently at his feet. Amen. Hallelujah. Hey, look, I think just um, tonight's conversation, just knowing a little bit of your story, just a little bit more than, you know, the people right now. Just a summary. There's big decisions to be made. Um, and I think... The Lord's kind of directing Nick and, uh, and something that God himself is going to have to speak to your heart and show you what to do. Like people, I've told him this the past two days, but uh, people will try to sway you in whatever direction that benefits them as well. Mm-hmm. But the reality of it is you have to be obedient. And I think that's something that comes with the cost, you know. And so I'm proud of you for real for stepping out. And being obedient and counting the cost of what it means to follow him, whether that's giving up your dreams. When I say that, sometimes God will use our gifts for the kingdom. um, And I'm not limiting that, but also being obedient to his divine call. Yeah. Like saying, hey, give it up. You know, I know this. I know this like a little bit. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm I'm thankful for you, Nick. And thank you for coming on the podcast. We might we might do a pop a part two we might oh we should yeah we might pop out oh no we'll see <laughs> we'll see what this week entails <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> in 10 years right in between when you're talking to like michael culianos and some other big wig i don't know oh no <laughs> <laughs> i don't know about all that <laughs> oh, but we might have to get tanner up since he you know he's down that way <laughs> yeah but anyways thank you again for coming on the podcast i'm so thankful for you and your story's awesome um you know, we didn't really dive it deep into it. And I'm sorry. We just, we ended up going way off. But a lot of bunny trails. Um, hey, they're God. good. And this was a good conversation. I love <laughs> having conversations with you. So we'll definitely have to do it again and really get in some deep, deep meat. But hey, thank you for staying this long. <laughs> thank you for hearing us out. We're sorry for all the bunny trails. And we, hey, we prayed. Yes, the Holy Spirit to give us stuff to talk about. So here we are. So we love you guys and we're praying for you and thank you so much for listening today. We'll check you out later. Bye.